All right, good morning. What's up, everybody? You guys doing good? Good to see you. Good to see you. Summertime is over. School time is here. Praise the Lamb. He is worthy. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's good to see you. We are the second week of Church Family, this series that's really just talking about the importance of the body of Christ, what it means to have the body of Christ as a part of your life, the relationships that are in that. The subject that we're talking about today centers around this whole idea of life groups. What is that? Um, Because some of y'all, you might have been raised in traditional church or no church at all. I would say if you weren't raised in church at all, you actually have a lot easier time understanding why life groups are important. Uh, Just because it's more natural, I think, for people to gather in groups of people that they have common interests and likes uh, with each other. and But sometimes around church world, we kind of get set in like, no, church happens in church, at the church building. And uh, man, if you study the word, if you look at the early church, you'll, you'll find that that's really just not the case. But these relationships are so important. The most important thing that we can understand is God has arranged us in life in a way that we can belong somewhere. And so that we can belong to each other. It says this in Psalm 68, 6. It says, God places the lonely in families, in families, and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I want to just tell you right now, I think if you're struggling in your life with getting free from something, if you're struggling in your life with moving beyond the temporary happiness that kind of comes and goes at the ebbs and flows of situation and circumstance, If you're ready to move beyond that place into a place of joy, I'm going to tell you, it's going to start with you being connected in relationship. It's going to take you being connected in godly relationships in your life. So today, this afternoon, is Life Group Launch. And and this is is an opportunity uh, for for you, for our church family, to, to find out what community am I going to have outside of these four walls? Because I believe as a church, what God has called us to be, the greatest demonstration of his love I think has to be what's happening outside of this place, not what's happening on a Sunday morning. How many know what an oxymoron is? Oxymoron, not a moron. You know what that is. Don't look at your spouse right now. It's a bad idea. But uh, an oxymoron, it's when you have two words that are put together that may or may not, or, or maybe they shouldn't be together. Some oxymorons, like the phrase, man, they're pretty ugly. Well, which are they? Are they pretty or are they ugly? Like, it, you know, it's like jumbo shrimp. That one doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Or adult male. We know that can't happen. Or (laughs) Dodge Ram. Are you dodging or are you ramming? Like, you got to pick between the two. Uh, Aunt Jemima Light. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, who in the world would even... Nobody would even want that. Here's a little bit of a spicy one. Amicable divorce. I don't think those belong together. I I haven't really seen a whole lot of those. Mud bath, it's kind of weird. Short sermon, we know those don't go together, so <laughs> throw that one out. This one is probably the most ironic, but government organization, we know that can't happen together. Like, but there is a, a serious oxymoron that I want to talk about, and that's this phrase, a detached Christian. That is an oxymoron. Now, I know some of you... I've been this way at different seasons in my life where you feel like, man, I'll tell you what, man, it's just me and God. Just me and God. Jesus is my homie. That's, he's all the only one I need. 
And, and, and I want to let you know, like, if you think that that is the case, like, it's, you just, you and God, and that's all you knew, you're probably weird. You're probably weird. Like, you're probably someone, like, when people get around you, they're like, dude, that guy's, like, not balanced in the head. Because it's not how God created you. God didn't design you to be that way. Now, that being the case, I will say that recently, man, in our culture, in our society, I've been thinking, like, Sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to move off grid, you know, I want to move off grid somewhere in the middle of the woods somewhere, bring my family and we'll just start making our own clothes, turn in our own butter, you know, we'll just have our little community. Because recently, actually, my daughter London, she went in the fifth grade, which means she's in middle school now. And I'm not liking how this is going so far. Like this isn't, I, I don't, I don't like this. Like I'm, 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 I'm dropping her off in the morning. So now, you know, Cody will take the kids to the younger kids to the other school, and I'm taking London to middle school, and I'm trying to look like as thug, ghetto, hardcore as I can pulling up into that place. Like, I want every one of those young, punk kids to see that London's dad will kill them if they try to do anything with my daughter. You know what I'm talking about? Any dads in the room today? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I would clean my gun as I'm pulling up, but I'm pretty sure that's not allowed on school property, and so... I won't do that, but, but I'm just like, because we're living in some crazy times, and sin is getting younger and younger, and the maturity to deal with it's getting older and older, and so it's a crazy, crazy season, but the reality is this, the reason why our kids are in school, the reason why we continue to do these things is because God has put a light inside of us that the world needs to see, because we know that there are other people that need relationship, that God has called us and equipped us and purposed us to reach them and to love them and but that, 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 so much of that has to happen out of an overflow of relationship. And it isn't just with you and God. Because if you have a relationship with God, hopefully he's filling you up. But to what end? Hopefully he's filling you up so that you're pouring out. And the first place that has to happen is in relationships with other people. Romans 12, 4 through 6 says this. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Man, that is huge, because sometimes I get so selfish. Like I'm just focused on my own thing, but what I don't always remember is, I am not my own. Like when I was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, Guess what? I belong to you. I belong to the body of Christ. It says we have different gifts according to the grace God has given each of us. And we need those gifts demonstrated. We need to share those gifts. If you were to ask Christians why God placed you on this planet, a lot of us would probably have like the right answer. Well, God placed me on this planet to bring glory to him. Well, that's, yeah, technically speaking, that, that's right, but it's also incomplete. Because technically speaking, you could bring glory to God in a cave somewhere. Like, God, I just bring you glory in this weird, dark, dingy place. God, you, I just bring you glory. But the fact of the matter is, you can't really glorify God if it doesn't manifest itself through relationships with other people. And so that's only part of what God is trying to do in us. The first most important question that you can decide in your life is a lordship question. The way that we say it in Kill Life is who is going to be the boss of your life? 
Who's going to be sovereign? Who's going to be in control? You've got to answer that question first. Who's going to be your defender? Who's going to be your provider? Who's going to be your comforter? Who's going to be your all in your life? That's the first question. You've got to answer that. And it's important that you get that because a lot of us feel like we can still do things on our own. And we might even call ourselves Christians. And I might be primarily talking to men in this room where we think, man, I got this. I got this. I don't really need anything because I'm a man. I'll go to church, but I don't want you to get the wrong idea that I don't have everything together. Muhammad Ali was sitting in a plane one time, true story. They were getting ready to take off and the, the attendant came by him and he said, excuse me, sir, but I'm, I'm going to need you to put your seatbelt on. Muhammad Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The attendant just leaned over and said respectfully, but strongly in his ear, that may be true, sir, but Superman also doesn't need a plane. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and buckle your seatbelt. How many know God is really good at reminding us that we need him? (laughs) And sometimes that comes in a way that is not all that fun. But you've got to settle that question first. But the second most important thing that you can answer in your life, who will be the people that God has asked me to live his love through? Who are going to be the people around me? And our family, kind of a core value that we've had as the Bennetts is whenever it comes to making a big decision in life, we think it's really important to consider the who, not the band, but the who, the people. Like in our life, consider the who above the what. In other words, too often we can make decisions just like, man, that, that what is that is attractive. Like, yeah, I want to go and do that, but, but we're not really considering, but who am I going to go do it with? Who's going to be there? You know, for us, I mean, this, this is something like we've, there's been a couple times this is really tough. We're thinking about God's calling us to people. God called us to Arkansas. Look, we had the what pretty good in Colorado. I'm just saying, like, you know, mountains and really cool weather and skiing. I had a really well-paying job. We actually had free housing, so it was even that better of a job. And it's like, you know, legal marijuana, all that stuff was just like... (laughs) That was before I moved, so I, I never, I'm like, Lord, your timing just sucks. Like, what happened with that? I'm joking. I'm joking. But the what? But, the, but we came to a point where we realized, look, God is calling us to someone else. God is calling us to you, to the people of Arkansas. And one of the things that gave us the confidence to make the decision was meeting Pastor Rick and seeing how real and genuine and relational he was and meeting the other staff. Like, I'll tell you what, the what hasn't always been that attractive in our life, but the who makes the what fulfilling. But it's the who, the people. Pastor Rick was the same way. Look, when he came... (laughs) 
I mean, we, may, we could debate on whether or not he had made a step up moving from Louisiana or not. But, but when he came, he knew he didn't want to just come here to plant a church. He wanted to come and do life with his friends. And so he brought people with him to do that with. I think that this is so important. Even science proves the importance of this. Back in the late 30s, 1930s, early 40s, Harvard University began an experiment that would last 75 years where they took 800 males. Obviously, most of them were children or or even babies at that point. And they decided that over the course of their life, they were going to track where they went. And so they took them from different age groups, but different economic groups Wealthy, poor, educated, uneducated. And they started tracking these men for 75 years. Obviously, the researchers changed over time. Obviously, technology. But even as technology improved, like they would even start doing brain scans. They did blood work. They did all these things to get an overall picture of the health of these people. Like, how were they relationally, psychologically? And at the end of that study, after 75 years, the overwhelming fact was the men that were healthy physically, psychologically, were the people that had good relationships. No matter what else, the other factors didn't matter. It was the the people that had real, loving, fulfilling relationships. They lived longer, they were healthier because of friendship, because of relationships. Look, the what in your life can't visit you in the hospital. The what in your life can't celebrate when you have a new baby. The what in your life can't mourn with you or laugh with you. It's only the who. The who. And so it has to be important. God doesn't mind us having nice things. But at the end of the day, he gives us those things for the sole purpose of facilitating what we are ultimately called to be a part of. And that is the body of Christ. It is a means to an end. The things that we have in our life is a means to an end. And the end is this. Relationship with God. Relationship with others. Period. That's what it is. In God's sovereignty, he knew in advance and decided where we were going to be. You're not here by mistake. God has some big sovereign things that he's trying to do in you and through you if you can see it. It says in Acts 17, 26, From one man he made every nation of man that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. He determined where we should be. So in that, he'd also determine who we would be around. They shape you. The relationships in your life, they shape you. You're the sum total at the end of your life. You're going to be the sum total of, of relationships more than anything else. So they're incredibly important. But we all have had some bad relationships, right? I think that's the main thing that the enemy tries to use to keep us out of this whole deal. It's like, oh, that rejection, that breakup, that divorce, that betrayal, those times when we probably put too much hope in a person and they let us down. 
But I think we have to be honest with ourselves, identify that the enemy is trying to leverage that to keep us disconnected from our ultimate purpose and being connected in relationships. We have to see this. So I want to just take a little bit of time. By the way, I've heard people say this before, even when it comes to getting involved around church, getting involved in life groups, I've heard people say, you know what? I have opened myself up to that before. I've opened myself up to those kinds of relationships before and I got hurt and I promised myself that I would never get hurt like that again. Guess what? They just hurt you again. Those people still have control in your life because they're keeping you hurt. So how do we move outside of this? First of all, I think we've got to cultivate God-given relationships. Cultivate the God-given relationships that we do have. Now, this is, this, is, this is building a healthy family, okay? This is what we're talking about, but this is at home, but it's also around church. It's around community. Cultivate your God-given relationships, the ones you have. Think about the people that God's placed in your life. Now, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, church friends. But sometimes we allow the relationships that God's put in our life to get in a rut. Like we just get, it just gets monotonous. And every once in a while, like a couple will come up to Cody and I and say like, all right, our marriage is just in a rut right now. Like there's just no fire. There's no passion in our relationship. Well, how many of y'all, how many of y'all like to grill? Anybody like to grill in here? Okay. Now, if you had a bunch of friends come over to your house and you're in the backyard and you're grilling, okay, and things are going well, but then all of a sudden the fire goes out. You're mad. It's a piece of junk grill. Fire going out. What's going on? Just yelling, screaming like. And finally, one of your friends comes in and is like, hey man, when's the last time you like filled up your propane tank? <laughs> Whoa. I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's been a minute. The issue is not the fire going out. You haven't put propane in the tank in a while. The grass is green where you water it. It's where you take care of it. That's where it's going to be good. That's in your marriage, but it's also in other relationships. If there's something that is missing right now, you've got to look and say, what, what have I been doing to put some more gas in the tank? To get this thing going again. There's a couple that wasn't getting along. And uh, without knowing it, each one of them decided that they were going to create a, a fake social media account. And this is a true story, by the way. So they made these accounts, and they didn't know it, but both of them had made the decision to do this because they just wanted to see, you know, what's out there? I mean, who's out there? I'm not, I'm not happy in my relationship. So they just wanted to see, like, you know, just kind of play the field a little bit, see who's out there. And so, so they, they started kind of interacting with different people. And, and before they know it, each one of them separately, they didn't know this was going on, that they had separately kind of met this person and started, started talking with them. And then over time, you know, it escalated. And, and, and then there, it went way beyond an emotional connection and got inappropriate. And then... Each one of them individually made the decision they were going to set up to be able to meet this person. To meet these people. So they set it up and set the date and set the time and all this stuff. And when they showed up to meet these people, it was each other. 
How many of y'all know that marriage probably didn't last a whole lot longer? But I think there's a bigger point. The fact of the matter is they were really compatible all along. So what were they missing? What were they missing? Because I think some of you, you don't need a new relationship. You need to cultivate what God has already given you. But I want to read this verse, and I think this strikes right at the heart of even what we're seeing on the news right now. The hate, the anger, the divisiveness. Because this is what it says in Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love must be sincere first. Then hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. And then this last part. Honor one another above yourselves. Look, at the end of the day, if you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling in a relationship with other people, if you are a Christ follower, the number one responsibility that you have to ask yourself is, have I loved them sincerely? before I got hung up on hating all the things that I don't like about him. I promise you this. This is, this is a gut check for my own heart, and I hope it is for yours. When you're looking at these different groups on TV, the most important question that you can ask yourself is, could I love either one of those groups sincerely before I hate what is evil? Could I love both sides Sincerely. They are hurting and hating because they've been hurt. Could we love them sincerely enough to find out why before we start hating? So many counseling sessions that I do, both marriages, but just relationally, it's it's that the other person feels like they should be loving me. They're not loving me. They're not taking care of me. Well, this doesn't say love must be sincere as long as the other person sincerely loves you. No, it just says, no, are you? sincerely love. Sincerely love. I think we need to first look and say, are we cultivating the relationships that God has given us by esteeming them higher than ourselves. Looking for ways to serve them and sincerely loving them. Get that part. If you get that part right, guess what? You're just not going to have a whole lot of extra room to hate anything. There just won't be a lot of room for it. You also have to sever toxic relationships. Okay, you got to sever those. Because some of you are like, yeah, but this is abusive or this is okay. There, there, there are obviously biblical <laughs> Exceptions. There's wisdom. I just think too often we can just jump to that. Like, I got to get out of this. But sometimes you do have to sever some relationships. It says in Corinthians 15, 33, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. One of the first things that you have to settle in your heart after you become a Christian is who are going to be my friends? Like, who am I going to be hanging out with? Because here's the deal. When you encounter Christ, it does change you. It's supposed to change you. Like, you got to live, like, according to the word and stuff. 
not the way everybody, you can't keep living the same way. If, if Jesus, if you've experienced love and grace of Jesus Christ, it'll change you. And so it's going to change a little bit of the who. It's going to change a little bit about the people that you're, you're spending your time with. Their standards. Your convictions become different than the world's convictions. And so sometimes there are some toxic friendships and those relationships need to end. They need to end. And then there's some people, they've been in like the top five of your friends for your whole life. And you can keep loving them and you can keep encouraging them, but you don't need to keep going to the bars with them because a relationship will be toxic to your relationship with God. And it isn't to say that they're not your friends anymore, but they may need to go from the top five to like maybe the top 20 somewhere in there. Because here's the deal. I would do this illustration when I was doing youth ministry. I would call a student up to the stage. If I stand on the stage and they're standing on the floor and I just simply ask the question, like it may be in your heart that you feel like I've got to stay around all my unbelieving friends. And here's the deal. Jesus obviously set an example about being around lost people. Guess what, though? He always had people around him when he was doing it. Like he had his disciples. He had a lot of backup when he was around these sinners. Okay? And he was Jesus. So he obviously wasn't going to compromise in his integrity. He was showing us an example. Okay, but here's the bottom line. You may have in your heart, you may mean well like, oh, I feel like if I leave these friend groups then who's going to save them? Well, the Holy Spirit does that. You don't actually save anybody. You, you love people and you let the Holy Spirit do his job. But, but at the end of the day, if you've got this friend, you feel like, oh, I've got to lift them up. Well, I, I, and I could call, you know, one of the scrawniest little students that were in the whole room. And I say, let me ask you this. Is it easier for you to pull me off the stage or me to pull you on the stage? It's always going to be easier to get pulled down than to pull someone up. I will say this, though. If you've got community around you, you got other Christ followers, you can start pulling a lot of people up. But by yourself, it's not wise. But you may need to sever some relationships that are pulling you down. The Bible and this is in friendships, and this is also in dating. Look, when you become a Christ follower, your dating perspective needs to change. The Bible is very clear to not be unevenly yoked with an unbeliever. Like, don't do it. Now, and it's not just in marriage. Like, that's in relationship with friends and stuff. Like, and to be yoked, it means that you're, you're, you're trying to be a team with them. When you have unevenly yoked oxen, they go in circles. That's what happens. That's what the Bible's saying. Look, if you do this, you're going to be in a cycle for a long time. It's not going to be pleasant. It says, don't be unevenly yoked. So you have to consider that. You may be in a relationship right now, and you may have been in that relationship before you found the Lord, but they still don't know the Lord. It is not, missionary dating does not work. Like, it's not your job to try to, because what will happen is you'll create this unhealthy codependency. And if you're the Christ follower and they're not, especially with having a male and female relationship, they'll create a dependency on you that they need to put on God. 
It's not a good place to be. And I want you to consider this because some of you are like, man, I'm just, I'm just better friends with people of the opposite sex. Quit playing with fire. And this is what I would challenge you. If you can find one, I want you to show me. I want you to find one godly person in the entire Bible that was best friends with someone of the opposite sex. Show me one example. One. And I might be open to it. God designed us different for a reason. If you're a woman, you need other godly women. If you're a man, you need other godly men. Some of you, you need to sever some relationships because you've, you've allowed your heart, you're married, but you've allowed your heart to be open a little bit to someone else. And you're working with them and you're having conversation with them. I would go so far as to say this. If you can tell in your own heart that this is a big enough problem, you need to start asking God to give you a different job. Treat this that seriously. Like, I'm not going to mess with this. You need to sever that relationship, sever all forms of communication. If, if, if they are an integral part of your work, go to your superiors and try to figure out a way that you can get around this thing. Don't play with It's like juggling grenades. <laughs> it's a dangerous place to be. So we're going to move beyond that. And everybody's like, thank God, let's keep going. Some of us need to initiate some godly relationships. Some of us need to start something we don't have. One of the best ways that I've seen life-giving, spirit-filled relationships start is when people start doing the work of God together. When, when people start building his kingdom together, that's when I've seen some of the strongest relationships happen. One of the things I used to love about leading mission trips, short-term mission trips, is just within a couple of weeks of these people being on a trip together, they became like best friends. I know of people that went on one missions trip together. They didn't know each other before they went on the trip. And to this day, they're best friends. And this is 15 years later. Because they just went and built the kingdom together. They went and served God's purpose together. And I would encourage you, like, it's the same around here. Like, I'd encourage you, maybe you need to go on a missions trip. But we have serve teams all around this church. People that are opening doors. I could tell you story after story of people that were a little bit weak on the relationship side. They didn't have a lot of people. They got plugged into serve groups and now they have a family. They've got people that have their back. When something's going on that's, that's difficult, their serve team is there. But, but it's even stronger because it was cultivated, it was initiated, and it was, it was built upon this premise of something bigger than themselves. This big picture thing. Some of you need to, to go out with our dream center and do our adopt a block where you can just see other people. And as you're, you're doing that, you're going to do incredible ministry, but you might make a friend at the same time. So you guys are just loving on our city, loving on our community, loving on people that are down and out. And then, of course, life groups. Some of us need to initiate those types of relationships. It says this in Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, all the more as you see the day approaching. 
Like we need, look, we always need this. We always need this. But if you are not convinced by looking around you that you need it even more, all you have to do is turn on a TV. You need these relationships. And I think you have to get to a place where you move beyond the excuses. And I've heard them all. Like, I don't know. I don't really want to do the life group thing because I know how this is going to go. It's going to be awkward. I'm going to show up to some person's house that I don't know. They're going to put chairs in a circle, one in the middle. That's my chair. And then I have to confess all my sins from my whole life. And then some lady with a cross is going to be over there hissing. (laughs) And then they're going to serve Kool-Aid after that. I know that's how this is going to go. And at the end... We're going to have to pray, and we're going to, they're going to make us hold hands, and they're going to go around the whole circle, and they're going to squeeze when it's your turn. And I just don't want the squeeze. I'm not ready for the squeeze. Okay, then sign up for three life groups. Okay? If two of them are like that, crawfish out, but find one that does work. But you got to get over the excuses. I'm just too busy. You're too busy not to. You got too much going on. You need these relationships. It's too important. You're getting separated away from what God created you to do. You need these relationships. We got to get rid of the excuses. Every now and then things happen around my life that just kind of give me a check, like to remember, like what's really important. And as a pastor, I can pretty much guarantee you, I go to a lot more funerals than you do. And every one of these funerals, man, one of the things I love about it is because it is such a great opportunity because everybody's thinking about the inevitable. And so it's a great way (laughs) to present the gospel. It's a great place where you can just like, the stats are all of us are going to wind up here. So, do you need a relationship with God? I love that part of it. But one of the things I've noticed, you know, a lot of the memorial services, funeral services, they'll have the table with all the pictures. All those pictures. You know what I've noticed? There's not a lot of pictures of cars. Or houses. Or boats. Or their place of work. Like here's the building they worked in. I will say if I ever do see those. There's usually not a lot of people at the service. For one reason or another they miss the relational element. I've noticed though that. It's usually, it's, it's people, it's relationships. It's, it is coworkers. It's people they went to school with. It's people that they served with. It's people, that, it's their family. It's, it's relationships. Recently, I got to, to watch this, this man in a hospital bed as he passed away. And, and leading up to it, there was a constant flow of people coming in. Uh, to the point where, you know, the, the nurses and everybody were getting annoyed because there was more people in there than were supposed to be in there. And it wasn't just family. Like, they kept lying. Like, I'm family. Like his brother. 
And they, like, just because they wanted to come in here and see this man. And he was just, and, 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 and to the point, until the point he, he couldn't communicate anymore, he was just, I love you, you know, just, just cultivating those to his dying breath. Like, just wanted them to know how much he appreciated, how much he loved them, how much he cared about them. And it was obvious that this man got it. He got it. He wasn't a wealthy man. He wasn't a wealthy man. But he may have been the richest, one of the richest people I've ever seen relationally. And I thought to myself, that's how I want to be. That's how I want to be. That's how I want to go out. I want to go out with, I want to go out empty because of how I've poured myself out into people, into relationships. Because guess what? That's the only thing that he's going to pick up when they show up in heaven with him. That's the only thing that keeps going. That's it. That is it. It's important. Amen? Let's pray together. Towards the beginning of this word, I, I communicate the most important the first question you have to answer is a lordship question. And that is, who's the Lord of my life? Who's going to have control? Who am I going to trust for everything? Who am I going to trust for my provision, my, my security, my hope, my joy, my everything? And I want to give you a chance to answer that question today because maybe you haven't. And I want to just give you an opportunity. If you haven't just said, I want I want. I want Jesus to be the boss. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my savior. I want to answer that question. If you're here today and you're ready to do that or, or come back to him and you're just away from him, I want to spend a lot of time doing this. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody in this room, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need Jesus today. I know that I do. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. As soon as I see you, can put your hand down. You don't have to leave it up the whole time. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Got it. Anybody else? Anybody else? Got you there at the back. Thanks. This is a great first step towards understanding and discovering those other relationships. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus today. Okay, got it. Anybody else? Thanks, man. Anybody else? I got you there. I got you, buddy. Anybody else? Thanks, man. I got you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Okay. Had a few people. That's awesome. Praise God. Right there. Every person, raise your hand. Just talk with God. Just talk with Him. Just be honest, be real. This is, what you're, this is what you're admitting to. You're admitting like, I, I can't save myself. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. And I, but I believe, I believe, God, that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. He, you paid the price, Jesus, that I couldn't pay. But you didn't stay dead. You defeated my sin. You defeated death in the grave. You defeated that. You rose again. 
I believe in faith that you did that. And I now, I ask for your forgiveness of my sin. And I ask you to be the boss of my life. I ask you to be in control. I want you to be my number one priority, who I go to for everything, who I go to first for everything, no matter how big it is or how small it is. I want you to be in control. I want to live for you according to your word, being led by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you for every person that made that decision. All of heaven rejoices when even one of them I thank you that there's several of them today, God. I pray that you would help us now, help them to begin to walk through answering the second question. Now, who, God, do you want me to live this life with? God, help us be a church that isn't just a building. Let us be the body. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. I need them. They need me. We belong to each other. We submit ourselves to that perfect plan that you set out. Help us to step in action, to be proactive. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Family, I think we had maybe eight or nine people raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Come on, give him some praise.